You're listening to Flirting with Bitcoin. I'm your host, Mondana Yousefi, and this is my boo, Ian Reese. My husband, Ian, is a Bitcoin enthusiast, but I am quite the newbie. Each week, he tries to teach me something about Bitcoin or Bitcoin adoption. I promise we keep it real light and fun. But before we get started, make sure you go to goals.flirtingwithbitcoin.com and stack your sats for the week. Let's go. Hey, Ian. Hey, Mandana. Hola. Guten Tag. Buongiorno. Konnichiwa. And Gia Morda. So those are our top five unique uh, languages in our metrics. Including English. Including English. Yeah. So what time is it, babe? The current time is 759-412, and we are approximately two blocks <laughs> since our last recording. We are doing them back to back. We got a wedding to go to this weekend. Yeah. My amazing cousin is getting married this weekend and i don't have time for y'all she comes first but in the two blocks since we've last recorded the price of bitcoin has changed so how many acres can i get on sunny bitcoin island for one u.s dollar for one u.s dollar you can currently get 5212 acres for a little less a little less it's kind of cool to see that like in just i don't know 30 minutes 45 minutes this much has changed. The, the blocks didn't move as fast as they normally do, right? Like something's sl- slowing it down right now. Slowing it down is a relative term. The goal of the Bitcoin network is to ensure that on average, one block is produced every 10 mm, minutes. On average. So, so a lot of transactions are happening right now. I don't I don't know. But the point is, is that it's an average over 2,160 blocks. Fair enough. Within the last like seven days, it took like an hour between blocks Mm, one time. Okay. So it's an average. And if that average goes up or down, then the difficulty adjustment kicks in to ensure they come faster or slower in the next 2,160 blocks. All right. All right. Checks out. He got real (laughs) defensive there. His body language changed. He's like, ugh, I'll explain it. It's a good observation. And I want to explain what you're seeing. (laughs) So over the course of two blocks, uh, it could be longer than 10 minutes. That is to be expected. Yeah. So it's a mental shift that like, obviously I'm still making, but I really am curious if for our listeners, like this is impacting at all how you think of time. Because this right now, like us recording two episodes back to back, we're going to release them obviously a couple days apart, but it just being within two blocks. That's like the most significant or specific maybe uh, like measure of time on this pod that we've done before that I can like really feel it. Yeah. So two blocks for our purposes, was almost an hour. Yeah. yeah. Now that means we could have started really early on one of those blocks and then ended early. Like, ah, that's true. Because there's, there's a ten, so you you don't know exactly where in that block you mm. started and ended, and you don't really necessarily know how long that block was. Mm-hmm. So all we're saying is that the global network has confirmed two blocks. It might have been 20 minutes. It might have been 45. It's like Bitcoin's a little shady. It's like don't worry about exactly how long I've been doing this. Well, I mean, that's one way to look at it. And there's actually an interesting story that's not on the list, but I'll, I'll get to it in a second. But before we do, I want, I want to get to some housekeeping stuff. And then I can answer that like shady question. Because there is an art- article that happened within the past week about that. 
All right, babe, take it away. Yeah, so I just wanted to let everyone know we've officially migrated the podcast to Substack. One of the cool things about this now is that you can actually comment on the episodes if you're not listening on Fountain. Substack is like your normal, what do you call it, engagement platform. But one of the cool things that it does, which I didn't even realize until we started seeing episodes downloaded through Substack, is that Substack actually tells you what the most popular episodes are. Uh, It shows you the most popular episodes for our podcast. And right now, that's the episode we put out most recently, and then two episodes from like a couple months ago. The uh, Satoshi, Satoshi Savings, Savings Calculator. Calculator. That is one of our most popular episodes. So shout out to anyone who's shared it with their friends. It seems like a lot of people are using the calculator, babe. Um, there's spikes of usage, mm-hmm. um, but there's also like a very consistent level yeah. of like, I would say maybe five to 10 people that use it every day. But then I see spikes of like 100 people. That's awesome. So proud of you, babe. <laughs> Thanks. But also, just like on the previous website, you can just subscribe to Flirting with Bitcoin. I haven't done it in a while, but if we were to write, do write-ups, like write an essay and publish it, you wouldn't get that through like your podcast feed. Mm-hmm. So if you subscribe on the website, you'll get notified when those happen. I don't have anything coming, but I will be migrating all the old ones over. And so you'll get notified when I migrate them over if you haven't read them already. And there are a lot of other things happening on Substack, the website. So I've never used it until now. So it's cool to check it out. Yeah, Substack is like long form Twitter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm learning. Yeah. I'm like, I won't do Twitter, but maybe Substack's for me. Yeah, it's multiple paragraphs and long thought out things, not just memes about Joe Biden. Those are embedded in the the long thought out things. You know the song? It's like... How is the best case scenario, Joe Biden? Are you really going to make me vote for Joe Biden? I don't know. That it's song. a Bo Berman song. It's like a, from a stand-up, but it's like a TikTok audio that like people use so much. They use it for other stuff, but it's just so funny. Yeah. Yeah. How is the best case scenario, Joe Biden? I mean... <laughs> We were all thinking it. All right, babe, let's give the people what they want. Let's get into the news of the week. All right, I think you have a short list for me this week, but I called Bitcoin Shady and you said that there's a story you wanted to tell me. So can you share that one first? Bitcoin at the end of the day is a giant open source project. And so there are tons of smart people all over the world uh, working on how to make it better. And I've used the analogy of Linux and how Linux is an operating system that's open source and people have been making it better for the past decade or two or three or four or how many decades it's been now. So Bitcoin has a very similar process where just anyone can contribute. So very recently, Someone looks like they're finalizing some improvements to the Bitcoin network that will dramatically speed up the synchronization of the network. Um, So right now, the Bitcoin protocol says, well, we keep the transactions low because we want to keep the payload sizes low as we're synchronizing these this data all around the world, but it's still pretty heavy for people that don't have like solid internet connections. Like it's still a pretty heavy payload. Okay. So what this project or BIP Bitcoin Improvement Proposal. I think the name is Erlay, E-R-L-A-Y. And they're looking at, I forget the metrics, but it's going to be a dramatic improvement to the speed of the network synchronization. And so 
part of the reason why it takes so long, part of that is someone has to find the block, right? So they have to mine until they find the correct, you know, it's called a nonce, but all these computers are trying to find the correct nonce. That can take up to 30 minutes, you know, and then on average you want it to be every 10, but once they find it, it still has to like replicate around the world. Like this is the correct next block. And so from the time someone mines the block to the block landing on our computer, it's not necessarily instantaneous. And so this upgrade to the network will make it so that that block comes in a lot faster, which means all the computers can confirm that block a lot faster. But because this is an open source project, people have to be in agreement to adopt this. Yes, and so this is going to follow the same pattern as Taproot, where everyone signals that they're okay with the change to happen. Mm -hmm. When it crosses over a certain number of nodes saying they're okay with it to happen, then it goes live, and then you, your node just might be out of date, right? So it's gonna follow that whole process, um, but it looks like it might be happening in the next couple of months. That's cool. I haven't dug deep into like the details of the project, but from the people that are talking about this, it seems like a pretty big deal because these are the things that these particular people really care about. And we have a validator. Do we have to opt into this? So the way that that'll work for us is that right now our uh, validator, which is actually the Ethereum term, um, our node. <laughs> Ooh. Our node. You taught the term validator to me. It's validating the block, uh -huh. but it's a node. Oh, okay. Right? We could call it a validator. It's fine. It doesn't matter what, the, what you call it. It's the thing that validates the thing, right? We are running a piece of software called Umbral, and Umbral manages all of that for us. So what'll happen is that there will be an update to Umbral, and if we update our box to the latest version of Umbral, that'll give us the latest Bitcoin client. So first, Umbral has to decide that they're gonna push this update out to all of their boxes, mm -hmm. right? They're gonna, in theory, hopefully, <laughs> do some testing and make sure that it doesn't break anything on their system. And then when they push it out, we still have to agree to the update. Ah, okay. This is where, you know, people would advocate against the centralization of using things like Umbral because Umbral's now made that decision for, for you. For you, yeah. And if you choose not to update, you might get forced to update because, oh, well, this doesn't work unless you update, right? So you can run an even more stripped down version of a Bitcoin node that doesn't have any of the bells and whistles of Umbral. I just went with Umbral because it does a lot of other stuff automatically for you. That just makes it a much easier user experience. Yeah, it's like if you wanna be uh, hardcore into Bitcoin and know everything that's going on, you can do that or you can just kinda of let a company make those decisions for you, which I think is more realistic when it comes to long-term Bitcoin adoption. But well, it does kind of counter the whole decentralized aspect of Bitcoin. Well, again, it's decentralized in the sense that I don't have to use Umbral to interact with the Bitcoin network. Yeah. I have an infinite number of choices, including the what we talked about last time, like the raw client itself. Mm -hmm. Like I could just run that on a computer as like a like a program in and of itself. Um, but by using Umbral, I'm just saying like I want to be able to try out a lot of stuff on the in the Bitcoin universe without having to like configure a computer and run shell scripts all the time. Like it just comes more packaged as like an operating system. But at the same time, it's like people at Umbral, they've kind of shown themselves to be Bitcoiners. Mm -hmm. So you can have some level of trust, but if they were to do something shady, we just delete an Umbral. Like Peace it's out. We, we're not relying on them. It's not like with Twitter, where when Twitter does something you don't like, you can't just leave Twitter. Mm, or can you? Which gets into our next story. <laughs> All right, let's go.
So you talked to me about this already, like separate to the pod, but you wanted to talk about it on today's episode. And I asked, what does this have to do with Bitcoin? And you said it, it lends to decentralizing things. Yes. So Jack Dorsey did something and I'm going to let you explain it. I mean, I don't know how much code Jack Dorsey actually wrote. Paid for whoever. Sure, sure, paid, sure. He paid whoever did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I, I really, I'm pretty certain he paid them. A little bit of backstory if people haven't been following. Jack Dorsey was the CEO of Twitter for since day one, created the company. Within the last year or so, he left, some people believe unceremoniously, and on his way out, he made a couple of statements. And one of them he said was was that Twitter should be a public good. Yeah, it should be an open source project and there shouldn't be like a corporation or a board overseeing what Twitter does. Um, Yeah, something to that effect. Mm -hmm. But he hinted at the idea of creating an open protocol for like a million Twitters to exist and all interact with one another. Very similar to how, you know, there's a bunch of different web pages, but we don't use different protocols to talk to one web page versus another. We just use HTTP. Like that's what all browsers use. That's how you talk to the internet. So then he went away and kind of, you know, posted some cryptic stuff and talked about Web 5 and uh, turned Square into Block right? Because that's his other company. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Um, and then, you know, Elon is trying to buy Twitter. And during that whole process, some of their text communications came out into the public. And like, you can see Jack Dorsey pitching this same idea to Elon, like it should be an open protocol and da da da, da. Well, yesterday, Jack Dorsey announced the at protocol, literally the at symbol ah. protocol. And the reason why I think this is so funny, first we'll talk about why it's funny, but we'll also talk about why it's Bitcoin. Why this is funny is because, you know, when Jack Dorsey left Twitter as the CEO, I'm certain he had to sign some paperwork that said, you can't go start another social media company. <laughs> like you can't take your name as Jack Dorsey and go create a competing Twitter. Twatter. Yeah, like two <laughs> days later, right? So he's like, all right, cool, deal. I won't do that. And instead what he has done is he has unleashed a million other Twitter clones now. Because with this app protocol, you don't need to get to the scale that Twitter is to be successful. Mm-hmm. You can have a bunch of sub 1 million users, social media networks that have the ability to interrupt with one another. So you don't have to commit to Twitter or Facebook or whatever. Mm-hmm. We could have like the flirting with Bitcoin social media network and people would in theory be able to post on that. But when you're going into the Bitcoin, like what does Bitcoin have to do with this is that the way that this platform works or at least the protocol that they've put proposed is that think of your feed as like your own personal database and so what that means is that rather than when you post you're writing into a database that you don't control twitter facebook whatever your data for your feed is controlled by cryptography and your private and public keys very similar to Bitcoin. And so when you let someone write to your feed, you are literally giving them permission that you can revoke at any time. But anything that they write to your feed, you own? Yes. And then anything you post yourself, you own? Yes. Unlike right now, like if I post on Instagram, Instagram owns that photo. That's part of it. Yes, Instagram owns that photo. But so this the, is also kind of an attack on all social media, not just Twitter. It is. That's why it's the app protocol. Mm. It is an attack on all social media. Ooh, and so Mark the, Zuckerberg 
is shaking in his boots. Well, this is the thing, Do you right? Think so? I think Mark Zuckerberg has more to fear than Twitter. Mm. Twitter already has some serious problems that if you're still on Twitter, you've just accepted those problems. Yeah, you're one of them. I mean, that's where the Bitcoiners are. It is, yeah. I, that's the space where you guys can share ideas and are congregating right now. But I guarantee you that within two years, no Bitcoiners will be ah, on Twitter. So what right? are Bitcoiners saying about this? Uh, is it a little too soon to tell? Are you one of the first? No, no, no. Everyone, <laughs> I mean, everyone was talking about it in their own way. Um, I, just, I love gassing up my man. I'm like, ooh, you're the first Bitcoiner who has an opinion on this. Everyone had their own opinion on it, and yeah. some some people think it's good. Some people are skeptical. Some so, people... what are like the uh, people who are hesitant about this saying? What are they worried about? So, one of the things that the app protocol encompasses is decentralized identity, right? So, right now, your identity is your Facebook or your Google or your Twitter account, right? And so, what that leads to is, well, if you constantly are using the same identity for a you know, a large bucket of your actions. That's how you get tracked. That's what we've seen over the last 10 years. Like you get ads targeted towards you and stuff like that. But with decentralized identification, you could create a new identity every time you did something. And now it's harder to track you across social media because you appear to be a new user everywhere you go. This is how Bitcoin works. Every time I send you Bitcoin, if you're trying to be the best Bitcoiner you can be, you generate a new address for someone every single time. So when someone's looking at the Bitcoin network, it doesn't look like, oh, there's 10 transactions all going to this one location and we've somehow figured out that one location is Ian, so all 10 transactions are going to Ian. I would create 10 different locations that all appear to have gotten one transaction and it's like, maybe that's Ian, but I've only attached Ian to one of those, not all 10, mm -hmm. right? So he's bringing a lot of these Bitcoin concepts to social media. And what that means, which I think this is very early to say, I'm sure, just like with Bitcoin, we won't know until it plays out. But just as we kind of laugh at governments when they try to shut down Bitcoin, I think that's what's about to happen to social media. Like I they're decentralized, people are running it on their own, and it's an open protocol, so you can't shut it down. Yeah. You can just filter it out. Not even that. Like, like personally, I can just choose not to see it. Yes, but the, the point that I'm getting at is imagine a world <laughs> where this... This, this app protocol is in place and there's not many. Let's just say there's like five Twitter clones, right? Alongside Facebook, Twitter. What did Kanye buy? Parlor. Parlor. Okay. And whatever. And Rumble and all that stuff, right? Well, those are all like companies. Mm -hmm. And so we saw during the elections, we saw during COVID that companies were deciding what was honest information, what was not. They were putting warnings on stuff that was being controlled by their platform, basically created a bunch of decisiveness amongst their users because one user is saying, no, this is the truth. Another one's saying, I don't know. They wouldn't put a warning on it. Mm -hmm. With this app protocol, that's impossible to do. So if you're a person that feels like you don't like how that was going down, you're probably going to leave every platform that has ever done that. Yeah, on a long I would take timeline. it on like another angle. For me, I feel like the algorithm pushes a lot of stuff on me that I don't want. Mm -hmm. And it's exhausting. And I work really hard to clean my algorithms on my social media. Like, I am done with the Kardashians. I'm a woman. I mean, I've been done with the Kardashians, but I'm a woman. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. In her 30s. And every social media company 
app that I use pushes the car. I've blocked them all, but they somehow still seep into my shit because I know that somehow they're paying to get seeped into my shit. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's also going to be a benefit for like, if you don't want to see certain things on your social media, you just don't want to consume that content, whatever it is. I'll do you one better. Yeah. So the app protocol has the concept of bring your own algorithm. Yeah, you were talking about that earlier. So you could block stuff, sure. I don't really know what bring your own algorithm (laughs) means, but it does sound like you will give access to algorithm writers. Like, don't tell me who Taylor Swift is dating. I don't give a damn. Sure. I don't care. And, you know, I, I think that, like, it's weird to say this out loud, but it's like you can now create your own echo chamber. Like, create the echo chamber that you want, not the one that was kind of foisted on you because of some things you liked at two in the morning. And if you barely understand how the algorithms work, all you have to do is hit not interested on all of your social media. It's one of the options for any single post. TikTok is really good about this. Their algorithm is crazy. They look at how long you look at something. So even if you look at something, you don't like it and all of that stuff, it still registers that you've absorbed it and they'll show more of it to you. So even stuff that you hate watch, you get more of. And it's that shit just makes you angrier, mm-hmm. right? On YouTube, it just wants to feed stuff that's going to piss you off, right? Sensational headlines and all of that stuff. You'll click, you'll be angry, you'll watch it and go, oh, and then it's just going to show more of that to you. Even if you're like, I've never subscribed to this. I don't want to see it. I don't follow them. So yeah, I think making your own echo chamber isn't a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. I I think that what you're going to see here is, again, going back to the idea of, okay, Jack Dorsey, you're leaving Twitter. You can't create a Twitter clone. He's like, cool. I don't want to create a Twitter clone. That's hard. He's like, what if I give people the tools? I messed up, man. (laughs) Well, yeah, but it's like, what if I give people the tools to make their own Twitter clone and let some other person figure out the right combination Mm -hmm. that gets everyone to leave your platform, leave Instagram, Mm -hmm. leave... I feel like Jack Dorsey's done with social media. This is his, like, Satoshi Nakamoto gift. Like, hey, guys, like, here you go. Do you build on it or not? I don't really care. But I feel like as a person who ran a social media company for a decade... This is what we needed. Have this is the it. better alternative. Yes. And I think that I'm willing to bet money that there will be a very Bitcoin focused social media platform within the next two years that is built on this protocol. And it'll have Bitcoin built in and it'll have people getting paid for their tweets. It'll have all the value for value that we talk about on Fountain. It's going to have all of it. And it's going to be done in a way that when someone goes on there and, and wants to share some link about Hunter Biden's laptop and it doesn't get blocked and that's the only place that it doesn't get blocked, everyone will figure out, oh, that's the place I wanna be. I'll go in there, I'll do my own filtering, I'll bring my own algorithm, but I wanna play in that open sandbox that's not telling me what is truthful and what's not. We'll see. What else is going on, babe? Got to talk about Texas. Howdy. There's always something going on with Bitcoin in Texas. There's a lot of Bitcoin home miners, but there's also what we talked about recently, like these large corporations. Some of them are even traded publicly on the stock market. One of those companies is called Riot. Riot has been building out their own data centers. They just signed a deal with Texas to build a one gigawatt mining facility. And when you say they signed a deal with Texas, like their Department of Energy. 
So in order to build any facility that's going to need a gigawatt of energy, mm-hmm. that's not just plugging into a wall outlet, right? Yeah, it's not like calling up the uh, electric company and saying, hey, I have a new house. Yeah. So I need electricity. You, so there's a lot. You that, negotiate rates and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that goes into that, right? And so when I say they, they signed a deal, they signed the deal with ERCOT which is the Texas power grid. Mm-hmm. They didn't say all the details in the news article, but I'm assuming that in that in those details is what we've talked about on previous episodes, which is we'll give you a better rate if you turned off your miners when we need the energy back. So and you don't know for a fact that that's the deal they made, but that's your assumption? I am willing to bet that Riot... One whole Bitcoin? No, I'm just kidding. That's a lot of money. I know, I know it is. <laughs> and betting with me, either way, we still keep it. A hundred Satoshis. <laughs> Gentleman's bet. A hundred Satoshis. Gentlewoman's bet. A gentle person's bet. The reason why I'm willing to bet that this is part of their deal structure is Texas has basically admitted as such that they need this functionality. Mm-hmm. They need someone to carry base load so that they can keep these things running. So when they need extra energy, they don't have to spin something up. They turn something off. And it's not going to be detrimental to the standard of living to the state. Like they're just going to turn off a mining uh, building and give that electricity to people who are having outages in their homes. Yeah, I mean, there's there's that, but it's also going back to the economics of Bitcoin mining. Like I saw something the other day that was basically, if you want to break even, you need to be mining at like sub five cents per kilowatt hour. Mm-hmm. So for Riot, if they can strike a deal with ERCOT that says we want energy at, you know, one cent below or not even one, four cents, right? Mm-hmm. We, we need it at four cents a kilowatt, then it makes complete sense for them to turn off when it's when not it's profitable. More, yeah. So like it's a win-win for everyone. It is. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. Um, and so it's not a, we talked about this before on the pod, like it's not a battery, like these Bitcoin miners aren't holding energy um, mm. like a like a Tesla battery in a car, for example example but it is roughly the equivalent because when you turn it off like energy power generation is a one-to-one so while it's being produced it's got to go somewhere it's flowing through all these wires Mm -hmm. it's got to go somewhere when you shut down it doesn't disappear it's just released from that usage what they saw in texas was when certain other energy poweration powered off there was just too much time to spin up the backup Mm -hmm. systems whereas with this this is like literally a, a switch it's like a light switch. It is a battery in a sense. It is a battery, except it's so weird. It's like, it is a battery. It's a battery that's like using all the energy in itself yeah. all the time. <laughs> and that's why it's has yeah. to charge. Yeah. Do you know if they've made any attempt to explain this to the people of Texas in that way? Who? Riot or ERCOT? Both. Either. This is actually an interesting question. I don't think that this is something that people actually need to know or understand because they don't understand the fundamental things. They don't understand why someone would want to run these Bitcoin miners in the first place, let alone how it's going to support the energy grid, because it's all being narrated as it's a waste of energy. And then you're going to give them a deal to waste energy. So they need John Oliver to explain it. But does John Oliver even understand Bitcoin? So one of my friends, um, you know, drove through town recently and I took him down a really quick rabbit hole on like all the stuff that I've been doing. I think he was very suspect in the beginning, but when I got him all the way to the end of the rabbit hole, he made the connection to Bitcoin. He made the connection of, oh, if you can generate energy in this way, that fundamentally changes the actual purpose of Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. 
but I had to take him down a crazy like chain of events just to get him on board with like, okay, now let me show you some science. So you don't think it's worth the effort? I think you can't do what I did with my friend in that way to everyone. It requires the level of attention that people just do not have. But I it, had him hostage for two you days. Did, but do you think it's like, for some reason, the people at the energy department in Texas get it? Are they all Bitcoiners? They're definitely not all Bitcoiners, but energy people are, from my observation with how Bitcoin and the energy community are kind of fusing over mm -hmm. the past year, energy people get enough about energy to understand how Bitcoin can help them. Even if they think that Bitcoin is a complete scam, mm -hmm. right? If I tell you, look, I got a peaker plant that I could spin up in one second. What's that worth to you? Because they normally take like eight to 10 to 30 minutes to spin up. Mm -hmm. So that alone, someone's going to be curious and say, wait a minute, what do you got? Is this another one of those Tesla batteries? And it's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Do you care? Mm -hmm. Or do you just care if it works? And so with Bitcoin, like with, with Tesla in Texas and Bitcoin in Texas, Tesla is presenting ERCOT with their solution, which is buy these big stationary batteries that do nothing, attach them next to all of these power plants. And if we need extra power, these Tesla batteries just feed energy onto the market in like milliseconds, mm -hmm. right? Cool. They've signed on for that. Texas and ERCOT has signed on to, here's a bunch of batteries doing nothing just in case. Yeah, you know, I wonder you know if what I'm saying? Like, I, I wonder if it's like these people are incredibly innovative and there's just innovation happening within their state. And so they're just surrounded by it. Or if it's from desperation because there's, they need so much more energy that they're more open to these new avenues of energy storage. And, well, that's what I'm yeah. that's what I'm getting at is that if your fundamental problem is I need to have the base load of energy available at all times and then I need to be able to handle anything between base load and peak load. And sometimes that happens really fast. I would imagine unless you know you're murdering puppies to accomplish this, they don't Even really then. <laughs> they don't really care how you can help them as long as it's helping them. If it also is helping you, great. I don't expect yeah. you to bring something that's going to help me but hurt you that doesn't mm -hmm. sound like you sound like a crazy person maybe you're a crazy philanthropist that's just gonna mm -hmm. you know build a, a solar farm for free and just give texas all the energy like you could do that but the bitcoiners are saying look we're gonna get something out of this and what we're gonna get out of this is when energy is cheap when you need that base load you could have these tesla batteries or you could have bitcoin miners bitcoin miners produce bitcoin that will in theory be revenue for someone mm -hmm. that you will in theory be able to tax mm -hmm. Tesla batteries, I feel like they have a different revenue model. Yeah, and they can coexist. They can coexist. I just think that it's very interesting that Texas is going to be this place where this competition happens. Yeah. Like, who's going to solve it better? Is it batteries where you turn on when you need energy? Or is it Bitcoin miners where you turn, turn off, off when you need energy? Or maybe they need both. I mean, I just wish the best for both endeavors because the people of Texas need energy I mean, it's more also, than ever. It's also <laughs> After what they went through a year, a year and a half ago, I'm sure they're all really scared of what's to come this winter. So hopefully this brings them some more energy stability. I mean, it's crazy to say that Texas needs energy because it has some of the biggest oil fields in the world. I know. But that goes back to deriving an economy from a top-down approach. Mm -hmm. It has been decided that they cannot use that energy their own, yeah their own oil whereas if we were working this from a bottom up which is kind of how bitcoin is coming up in the mm -hmm. world it's not so much saying that bitcoiners are all about drilling for oil 
but it's like, yo, we got a lot of energy lying around. We don't need to drill for it. We just need to, you know, untap all of these little wells that aren't profitable anymore. Mm-hmm. That could all be Bitcoin. There's still a lot of unused energy. And I think that Texas is going to truly show that to not only the United States, but to the world. And I just hope that they get far enough along where we as Americans have a head start. Because once other countries figure out that they could do this, I kind of feel like other countries have their shit better together. (laughs) They're smaller. Smaller and or like they, to your point, they need it more. Mm -hmm. Right? Like Venezuela needs this. Mm -hmm. What do you mean? Okay, you've embargoed all my oil. What if I just burn it here? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Use some Bitcoin miners. Make that money. Turn it into Bitcoin and now I can buy anything I need. Because I'm only embargoed on the dollar. Mm-hmm. I'm not embargoed on the Bitcoin network. Mm-hmm. Venezuela could use this. I wish it for Texas and Venezuela. How's that? Anyone who's got any energy, this is the game. All right, last but not least, I think so far it's been good news, but... I think we're ending on a bad note. Yeah, I mean, this one isn't, this isn't good. It's not terrible. I'm sure at the end of the day, things will be fine. But as we've talked about on the podcast, the dollar is tied to oil. It's not tied to gold. That's why we call it the petrodollar. And Saudi Arabia has been the main facilitator of this petrodollar system. So the agreement is that any oil that Saudi Arabia sells, they sell it in the dollar. Yes, you can only buy oil in the dollar pretty much on the world market until 2018 Mm -hmm. when China kind of just said, YOLO, we'll sell it to you in, in, I think it's gold. Mm -hmm. You know, we had the oil embargo in the 70s and this is the deal that we struck. Well, it looks like Saudi Arabia is basically saying that that deal is up. And I don't necessarily know what that means yet. I think there's a lot of speculation on what this could mean. But what it fundamentally means is that if you no longer have to acquire dollars to acquire oil. There will be less demand for dollars globally. If I can give you yen instead of dollars for oil, if I can give you British pounds instead of dollars for oil, if I can give you pretty much anything instead of dollars for oil, economies of the world are gonna choose to use their own currency. Right, they don't have an incentive to be operating in the dollar at all, unless there are, I guess, American manufacturers who require to be paid in dollars but what do we, what's our export guns and weapons like what else are we exporting as a country i mean we make most of the tech in the world we do china yeah. doesn't oh china puts it together like they this make is... the iphones but they ship them to america and then america sends them out across the world using the iphone example china manufactures the iphone i believe it's foxconn but china did not invent any of the technology that got you to the iphone mm-hmm. All of that technology that's in the iPhone, all the technology in the iPhone is technology that's been created over the last, since World War II, Mm -hmm. roughly by the West. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying there weren't some Chinese people that came to America, studied, created companies, and contributed to that technology stack that is the iPhone. Right. Not the people, like the actual physical country. I'm talking about the people. No, I'm saying Chinese people might have worked in America to create these technologies, but these technologies were born out of America. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And not I'm not even going to say America because there's a lot of technology that comes out of what we would call the ubiquitous West, mm-hmm. right? Like Europe, the, specifically right. the Netherlands, mm-hmm. is responsible for pretty much almost all the computer chips in the world. Mm-hmm. China has yet to create something 
that wholly developed inside of China that is orders of magnitude better than whatever the current iteration of that technology is in the... Technology-wise, but a lot of our stuff comes from China. And if one day they say, like, we don't accept the dollar anymore. Yeah, so... But which here's, is their plan anyways with the BRICS deal, right? But here's the deal. The BRICS is, uh, what is it? Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. I guess the S can also stand for Saudi Arabia now. Because Saudi Arabia wants to join it now. Right. So Saudi Arabia is hinting at they're going to they're gonna join the BRICS as well. And one of the things that the BRICS have announced in the past 30 to 90 days is that they are working on a new reserve currency of the world. That will not be the U.S. dollar. It'll be a basket of currencies backed by roughly the countries that I just named. Mm -hmm. the, the big difference between now and when this deal was first struck is that, you know, the United States produces a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. As I just said about the Texas deal, we have a lot of energy here in North America. We don't necessarily import into the United States any oil from Saudi Arabia, but the world at large buys oil. There's a world market. And so you need dollars to buy that energy on the world market. Saudi Arabia going to the BRICS is going to be bad for the dollar because there will be less demand for the dollar. But that doesn't mean that you won't be able to get energy here in the United States. Mm -hmm. What it does mean is that all these people that have been fighting the Keystone Pipeline are probably going to have a different tune to sing mm -hmm. because that's going to be some of the cheapest energy on the planet. Mm -hmm. So when the dollar doesn't get you as much, you're going to need the cheapest energy you can find, which is going to be in Canada. These are the things that I think people don't realize about how the dollar works. When you said a second ago, like, what does the United States export? We export the dollar. Yeah. That is the number one thing that we ship to the world. <laughs> and the rest of the world gobbles it up. Mm -hmm. Mainly because you have to buy the one thing that runs the entire world economy, which is oil, in it. If that goes away, Bitcoin might look a little bit more sexy because... The dollar isn't this almighty never falling will always be the strongest currency then maybe you have like five currencies that like fight for the number one spot and are moving every year and like who wants to deal with that chaos for their long-term financial goals i'm assuming this like alternative world reserve currency will honestly i don't think it'll work <laughs> yeah, they're all gonna fight with each other before anything really picks up off the ground yeah it's very similar to like the united states and the euro and the yen and the british pound right now it's like we kind of pretended like we were all in this together mm -hmm. until this month <laughs> and we've basically thrown japan and great britain and to a lesser extent germany and europe under the bus y'all figure it out mm -hmm. <laughs> And I just don't imagine that the countries in the, the acronym of BRICS are, are closer than like we were with the UK are equally aligned. Mm -hmm. They're right? definitely not like maybe it's better to be in that position because now you have to negotiate and not one person is just like heavy handing the mm -hmm. other. India and China make up 85% of that group. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's 2 billion right there. If they ever decide to align on a situation, the other members are screwed anyway. So you end up in the same position where you can be bullied. It just takes like the right alignment. Now everyone's getting bullied by two countries instead of one. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can like lobby one country to less, make the other one be nicer to you. But like maybe it's better that you have to have that negotiation instead of what we have now, which is like the United States just tells people this is how it's going to be. I just don't know. Right, so is this bad news? I just don't. There's bad news for the dollar. It's definitely right? bad news for it's the bad dollar. bad news for the dollar, which in a weird way means it's good news for Bitcoin. 
it's good news for Bitcoin, but I think it's also like leading to the stabilization or the long-term stabilization of like the management of the United States. Because if you are just operating on like, this is the dollar, we're always gonna be the top dog. We can print as much of it as we want, doesn't matter. But like if we're entering this new reality where look, you print all this money, there are consequences, we're feeling them in real time. And at the same time, we don't have that same security and being the number one currency in the world, like maybe we will be more conservative with our spending. Yeah, I highly doubt that. <laughs> I'm so hopeful. I'm like, do they learn uh, from the consequences of their actions? Nah. I mean, I think they've learned that they're trapped. They are, yeah. They've created this system where they've told everyone that we can borrow and print our way out of it. And right now, if you borrow and print, you're gonna make things worse. And if you don't borrow and print, you're gonna make things worse. And so they're stuck. I don't think there is a plan. I think they're just waiting to see what happens just like everyone else. Mm -hmm. And the deeper into Bitcoin I go, the more obvious it becomes because I have access to the same internet as everyone else. I can get the same information as anyone else. And I actually have been acquiring information that tells me what the fundamental problem is what the fundamental solution is, and who's the culprit. All right, guys, you hear that? Dollar's going down. So get on the Satoshi Savings Calculator and figure out how much Bitcoin you can buy. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that that'll help you out. It's time for shout outs, but before we get into it, if you're not on Fountain and want to show us some love, go to flirtingwithbitcoin.com to check out all the ways that you can show us some love. Our top streamer was Hello There. Our biggest boosts came from Zordon. The next top boosters were In Time BTC, Prague USMC, Stacking Sats, Contrapliant Dude, Daniel Cook, Drew B, Ida Dude, Bug Squasher, and P Ninja. Thanks for listening. We will catch you next week. Mm -hmm.